the working definition or what I hope we are thinking about when we say the words focus is simply this, to have this increasing awareness as we live our life of his presence within us, power and peace around us and his provision, this constant awareness so when you're in the car, you have this awareness of his peace. Uh, when you're in a meeting, you have this awareness of his presence. That you're just constantly aware that he is there and you're constantly living for him. That your relationship with the Lord is not something that you start during portions of the day or portions of the week, and then you put on hold. It's a constant free-flowing, where you're never not thinking about Him, where you're never not praying. You're praying in the back of your mind. You're praying in your heart. You're praying out loud. But you're constantly focused on the eternal things. When that happens, what God begins to do in your life is He begins to anoint you. Now, I have an eight-year-old son who asked me the other day. He said, Daddy, what, is, what does anointing mean? And I have this firm belief that you don't truly understand something unless you can explain it to an eight-year-old. And so I got tested right then and there. He, I said, look. I said, uh, this, uh, we call him Bubby. I said, Bubby, you, you know that there's a physical world and there's a supernatural world and they're both happening at the same time. Like in this room right now, there's angels. And he says, yes, I got that. I said, but when you're living with the Lord, you're talking with the Lord, you're praying with the Lord, and you're doing what he's called you to do, he anoints you with oil. And you can't see it, but you can see the result of it. Now, this anointing, when you're focused on what God has called you to do, when you're focused on your relationship with the Lord, He begins to anoint you. Now, what happens at that point? The anointing comes to enhance what you are already gifted in. So for those of you that are gifted in leadership and you, you, you have a lead role at the, at the workplace... What begins to happen is you are able to lead more effectively. If you have a gifting in administration or you have a gifting uh, in another particular area, when the anointing comes on you, it begins to enhance what you already have. Uh, I, I begin to recognize a gifting in my own life um, as far as, if you want to call it a, a gift, is just as far as communicating. But in college, I got D's in speech class. And this is what I'm doing for a living. <laughs> uh, I'll never forget, my first speech was on open toe sandals versus closed toe sandals. I don't know how I got that assignment, but that was my assignment. And I remember I got a D minus. And here I am going into the ministry, and I had this kind of raw talent, if you will. But the anointing takes a gifting and makes you better at it. The Holy Spirit, the, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance. Without the Holy Spirit, without the anointing, you are flying on your own. 
with the Holy Spirit, all of your giftings are enhanced. To use a biblical example, David, in the Bible, as a young boy, had the gifting, the talent, the ability to use a slingshot. There are some medieval paintings showing people of the ancient days knocking birds out of the air with a slingshot. So there's a gifting, a talent that he had. But when the anointing came on him, he could knock down a Philistine giant, though he had a sword, though he had a shield, though he had a spear. The only thing he needed was a rock and a slingshot. So God takes your giftings and enhances them. When we are focused on God, he begins to infiltrate our life with his spirit and anointing. Oftentimes, what we can, are tempted to do is to focus on natural things like work, and then we shift and we focus on God separately. But the Lord wants to work in parallel. And so the message for the next few weeks is practical things that we can take to cause our focus to intertwine our life and our pursuit to the Lord at the very same time. Watch this in Psalms chapter 23, verse 5. It says this, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In the presence of your problems, God is going to nurture you. Have you ever felt weak and then you eat lunch or you eat dinner and you feel invigorated and strong? That's what happens when you eat. That's what happens when you sit down at a table. You're refreshed and filled with strength. So the Bible is saying this. When you are in a stressful season, I'm going to feed you. I'm going to give you strength. And then he says this. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. These are the things that focus brings to our life. Now, it doesn't happen with everybody. Um, it only happens with the people that make this conscious and deliberate shift to focus and pursue God. Now, let me show you a, an illustration. Does anyone here like popcorn? Anyone here like popcorn? In fact, I got some extra popcorn here that we didn't use this morning. Anyone like uh, uh, popcorn with butter? There you go. Popcorn with butter? There you go. Right. She just went poof. <laughs> My gosh. Man, the Texans could use you. Anyway, uh, we got some popcorn here. What blows me away with popcorn is you can take a bag, stick it in the microwave, put it in that little room, doot, 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 press the button, and you got like 500 kernels all in this same little space, this same little room, hearing the same thing, Feeling the same light, rotating the same way, sitting in the same spot, if you will. But some of them are so stubborn they won't pop. Are you with me? I'm looking at a bowl full of popcorn, but there's about 40 of them down here that were so stubborn, even though they were in the same place at the same time, experiencing the same thing. <laughs> Not going to do it. Not going to do it. 
not going to do it. What's fascinating to me is that a truth, a, a nugget of wisdom, something from the Word of God can go out to hundreds of people at one time. And it can land in a person's heart and pop. It's like they're, they're, they're never the same again. Pop. It's like the Holy Spirit just kind of goes like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's, like, it's just right inside. Just bam. And it's like, oh, I, I got that. But right next to him, hearing the same thing in the same room. Are you with me? Now, what is the difference here? Is one person loving God and the other person evil? Possibly, but I doubt it. (laughs) Usually what the case is, is that it's an issue of focus. One person is catching what's being said. The other person is focused in thinking about something else. They're consumed by the cares of this world, and it chokes the truth. And so when a person walks out, or a person hears the word, or they're worshiping God, and and Isaiah's up here with his cool self singing, there's some people that stand in here going, why? Their focus is on something else. Focus is such a big deal. And Paul talks about three areas to stay focused on. Let me see if I can unpack this with a foundation of Scripture. It reads like this. In 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 30, it reads like this. Those who weep or who rejoice or who buy things should not be absorbed by their, weak, their weeping or their joy or their possessions. In other words, don't let yourself get too high. Don't let yourself get too low. Find a steady. Watch this, verse 31. Those who use things of this world should not become attached to them. For this world as we know it will soon pass away. I want you to be free from the concerns of this life. Now, then all of a sudden he throws us a curveball. Watch this. An unmarried man, he begins to give an example of being free from the concerns of this life by talking about marriage. Now watch this. An unmarried man can spend his... Is there any men in here that are unmarried? Any man? Raise your hand. We'll get you married. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> this, how old are you? How Ten? He's like... <laughs> Ten years old, got his hand up. <laughs> willing and ready, ladies. Willing and ready. So, <laughs> I put my dad's cologne on this morning, ready to go. An unmarried man can spend his time doing the Lord's work and thinking how to please him. But a married man has to think about his earthly responsibilities, watch this, and how to please his wife. See, that's the thing about Paul that kind of 
rubs me sometimes. Is, is he talk, he's talking about focus, and all of a sudden he kind of... <laughs> he's talking about focus. Hey, don't be attached to the things of this world. Don't get consumed to the things of this world. Oh, and by the way, if you're married, it's your responsibility to make sure that your wife is being taken care of and her needs are being met. That's your responsibility. Your ability to respond. Your responsibility. And it's like, hey, get back to the things of this world. Mind your own business. So he just kind of takes a shot. But you can't ignore it. It's in the Bible. You cannot ignore things in the Bible. You cannot go through the Bible and pick and choose things that you want to believe in. It's in the Bible. So if you're married, men, it is our responsibility, watch this, to think, hmm, how to please your wife. Hmm, how can I please her? getting tight in here <laughs> but a married man has to think about his responsibilities his interests verse 34 are divided all right ladies it's your turn in the same way a woman who is no longer married or has never been married can be devoted to the lord and holy in body and spirit so if you're unmarried paul is sitting here going hey you guys have an advantage to be exclusively focused on your assignment. But watch this. But a married woman has to think about her responsibilities and how to please her husband. A woman, a wife is supposed to go, huh. Now, uh, men, husbands, I know what you're thinking. I can make your job a lot easier because I got a list right here. <laughs> Keep that list in your pocket. I am saying this for your benefit, not to place restrictions on you. Watch this, and now he ties it all together. I want you to do whatever will help you serve the Lord best with as few distractions as possible. Focus, focus, focus. Focus. Three things. Number one, focus on your family. Focus on your family. I'm about to make every single... Uh, I, I have the, the potential to put every single marriage and family counselor out of business in the next 30 seconds. The potential. Because, watch this. Let me show you this graph right here. When a wife focuses on pursuing God and a husband does the exact same thing, they will be closer than they've ever been. When a wife is not focused on pursuing God, and a husband is not focused, this gap right here will always be there. It will always be there. If there is a husband or a wife that are that they're having they feel far from each other they feel distant from each other they're going in separate directions it is not a marriage issue it's a god issue it's a God issue. It's, it's this right here. It's this right here. It, it, this, when, when a husband and a wife are getting distant, one or both of them are going in the opposite direction. As you pursue God, what ends up happening is that you find that you begin to love the things that God loves. 
and you say, well, my husband chews with his mouth open and it's driving me crazy. And that's a funny flaw, but there's a hundred flaws that my husband has and I want to wring his neck. It has nothing to do with God. It's the fact that he's a moron. Can we be real today? Anybody want to be real? Anybody want to be real? It has nothing to do with God. The fact is, is that he passes gas and he doesn't care. Oh, you didn't want to be that real, my bad. Rewind. Has nothing to do with God. He just doesn't pick up his clothes off the floor. Was that a little bit better? Here's the thing. It has everything to do with God. It doesn't have a little bit to do with God. It has everything to do with God. Let me give you an, an illustration. Raise your hand if you have kids in this room. Let's say I were to walk up to you and say, I am going to give you, if you have a daughter, I'm going to give you another daughter in exchange for your daughter. You give me your daughter, and I'm going to give you this other daughter. If you have a son, I'm going to give you a different son in exchange for your son. And the advantage of making this trade is that this son and this daughter, they are perfect. They go to sleep on time. They wake up on time. They never complain. They never spill the milk. They always get up early. They always get themselves ready for school. They always pack their own lunch. They're always on time. They never smart off. They are perfect in every way. They're perfect. Let's trade right now. Now, aside from the fact that some of you are like, let's do it. Let's... If it were a real deal, you would back up and say, I know my son and I know my daughter is not perfect, but I'm not trading. It's my son. I'm not trading. It's my daughter. It's mine. Why would you not want something perfect? Instead, you want something that's imperfect because it's yours and one you love and one you don't. Love changes everything. So when you pursue God, who is love, you end up loving everything that God loves. So it's not a marriage issue, it's not a wife issue, it's not a husband issue, it's a God issue. You cannot be passionately pursuing God and hate your husband at the same time. You cannot passionately pursue God and hate your wife at the same time. It is hysterical because my wife and I have come to church on several occasions fresh in the middle of a fight. That was out loud. That was out loud. My wife's going, we're about to be in one if you keep it up. But we come walking in here, and you know when you're, when you're in the middle of a fight, you're not talking. <laughs> See, some of y'all want to act like uh, you're the Brady Bunch, and that's fine. <laughs> we come in, and then you stand in here and worship. It's hard to worship when you're mad, isn't it? Why is it so hard to worship when you're mad at somebody? You can't do both. Uh -huh. So you're like... I love you, God. I love you. 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 By the time you leave this sanctuary, what happens? Well, if you're still mad, you didn't pursue God. 
But if both are pursuing God, it's all of a sudden, it just covers a multitude of sins. It's not a marriage issue. It's not a husband issue. It's not a wife issue. It's not that he eats with his mouth open or snores at night or passes gas. It's a God issue. Now, he does need to control himself a little bit, but (laughs) it's it's a different topic. Focus on family. The second thing is focus on our world. Focus on our world. What I mean by that is this. When we are in this room, we have to understand that it is our job to infiltrate the world, not isolate from it. You have the knowledge of Jesus Christ. You have the Holy Spirit inside of you. You have a secure place in heaven. You have an address of where you're going to live in heaven. And it is your responsibility to share that. We have got to be focused on it. And Paul says this, if you're not married, you're kind of lucky because you can be more effective at this than anything else if you're not married this is a huge deal because watch this a great church and this is a great church a great church has a great commitment to the great commission and the great commandment a great church what do we say what is the great commission let me read it to you Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples, these new believers, to obey all the commandments I have given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even until the end of the age. This is not the great suggestion. This is not optional. This is an assignment. My wife and I have two kids in school. My son can't come home and say, my teacher suggested that I learn these spelling words this week. I can if I want. I don't have to if I don't want to. It's an assignment. It is something that you and I are responsible for and will be held accountable for to tell people, you got to come to church with me. You got to say whatever you got to say. We got the coolest creators in the world, the most awesome praise and worship band in the whole. Say whatever you got to say. But it is your and my responsibility. And I say my Because I don't get a pass card just because I'm the pastor. I've got to do this as well. I've got to do this as well. Now, what's the great commandment? Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally equally as important to love your neighbor as yourself look at the person next to you that's your neighbor that is equally now some of you purposely looked at somebody else that you didn't want to look at this person so everybody look at the other person as well the neighbor is, is the people that are in your life and loving them and caring for them is equally as important. You say, well, as long as I love God. 
equally is important. Why? Because if you want to get close, watch this, bring me that, that triangle back up, will you guys? If you want to get close to God, you're going to get close to what he loves. Uh, Trump came to town last week. Anybody go? Anybody go? Some of you are like, I don't know if I want to raise my hand. <laughs> well, Allie and I were at the mall that night, and uh, there's a restaurant near the mall that we were eating at. We were looking at the window. People were selling hats and, and you know, make America great again, and there's news cameras and, and all that kind of stuff. We're looking out the window, and, and we're talking about politics, and it's just kind of funny. What's funny to me is politicians kiss babies. That's funny to me, because the baby can't vote. <laughs> why, why are they trying to earn the affection of a baby? It's not the baby that they're trying to earn the affection of. They know that if they love the baby, the mama will love them. They know that if they love the kids, the daddy will love them. Let me just tell you, you love God's kids, God loves you. So go to the children's ministry and sign up. We, got, we probably got about 75 babies back there. You can go kiss them all. Go kiss them all. There's a, a guy on, uh, his name is Peter Drucker. He's the father of American management. Uh, for those of you that are in corporate America, maybe you might want to write this down. You, you might be able to use it tomorrow morning. Uh, he, he's, he says this. He says that every single day, every single business, every single owner, every single employee should ask themselves two questions. Number one, what business are we in? Number two, how's business? Everyone. What business are we in? And how's business? And the reason why he says that is he says companies have a tendency to begin to focus on whatever is urgent that week or that month or that day. And in the process of focusing on urgent things, oftentimes they forget what business they're in and how's business. So... Let me ask us as a church, as Celebration Church, as a body of believers, as Christians, what business are we in? I'll tell you what business we're in. We are in the good news business. How's business? Because Paul is abundantly clear saying this, focus on your family if you don't have a family good on you because now you can be exclusively focused on the things of God your world it is your job it is your assignment to figure out have the how to have the anointing flowing through you in such a way that what you already do is enhanced by God what you already do has, as is, has an internal impact just as much as it has an economic impact. They're both running in parallel. And how does that work? That can only work effectively with the anointing. Otherwise, you will only be able to do one and not the other. But with the anointing, you are able to do both. 
With focus, you're able to do both. Let me ask you a question. Why in the world are we still on this earth? Think about it. Wouldn't it just be easier if the moment you said, Dear Jesus, I love you so much. I make you the Lord and Savior of my life. Forgive me of my sins. That moment, we go to heaven. Right? Bam! Like Superman. Wouldn't that just be easier? Come on. Why keep us here? Has anyone ever wondered, why am I still here? Why am I still here? Let's think about it. Why are you still here? There are only two things that you can do on this earth that you can't do in heaven. Number one is sin. So do you think that God is looking at you saying, I would bring you to heaven, but I want to watch you sin a little bit longer. I want to watch you struggle a little bit longer. I want to watch you love me and try not to sin and want to do good but end up doing bad and then kick yourself and fight the devil. I want to watch that a little bit longer while I watch. <laughs> oh, he's doing it again. He's doing it again. That Frankie kid is a moron. Hey, come here. Come here. Why is this? Yeah, but he's going to say, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. <laughs> Can I have some water? <laughs> Where was I? <laughs> I'm drinking. I know where I'm at. <laughs> See, the, everybody that just answered me has been coming here to church long enough to know I'm blessed with ADD. And I'm blessed. It's a deeper dimension. <laughs> the second thing, we know that God is not leaving us on this earth so he can watch us sin. So he must be leaving us here for the second thing that we can only do on the earth. That is to tell people about Jesus. He, you know what? He does love the company that you work for, but he doesn't love them so much that he's going to keep you here for 40 years to work there. I mean, come on. There's only one thing that you can do on this earth that you can't do in heaven that God cares about. And Paul is saying, please focus on this. Focus on this. I'd like to um, ask ourselves constantly, how are we doing on this? You know, have you ever met somebody that has one job and they just find a way to mess it up? I, I got, let's just take, can we take a commercial time out just for a second? Does that sound fun? Go home and Google one job and then click on images. And you're going to find images like this. Watch this. Throw this first one up. This guy had one job. Now, this guy does not look like that guy. <laughs> this guy <laughs> is not Johnny or 
that is Johnny, and that's not... Are you The guy had one job. He blew that. All right. Let's go to another one. This guy had one job. Okay. <laughs> go live. <laughs> Put the name in there. All right. Let's throw up another one. This guy had one job. Yeah, go ahead and print it. It looks good to me. <laughs> Next one. One job. <laughs> this guy wins the That's Not My Job Award. <laughs> Have you ever had somebody say, That's not my job? And you're like, <laughs> You just lost your job. <laughs> Look at that. Come on. All right. Uh, one job. Got one job. Messed it up. One job. This is my favorite one. <laughs> uh, you had one job. You had one job. Uh, I'm going to put that right over there. <laughs> <laughs> you know what the problem is, is the person probably sat down and then looked over there and went, oh, shoot. <laughs> One job and find a way to mess it up. Here's the thing. You and I, we are only on this earth to have one job. We got one job. All the other jobs that we have working, whether it's at Chevron or the snow cone stand, all these things are necessary to put clothes on your back, food on your table, take a vacation every now and again, bless some people, but stay focused on your job. You got one job. And Paul is saying, focus on it. Focus on it. Focus on it. You say, well, something about this whole God thing is not working. Let me tell you something. I'm going to say it this way. Little Johnny kept on falling out of his bed. He went up to his mother and said, Mommy, I need a new bed. She said, Why do you need a bed? Because I keep falling out. He said, Johnny, your bed is not broken. You're just not in deep enough. Here's the reality. God is not broken. The church is not broken. You just got to get in a little bit deeper. You've got to get in a little bit deeper. I didn't share this in the first service because I ran out of time, so you guys are getting bonus material. Did you know that the United States of America is the third or fourth largest mission field in the world? For those of you that are new to church, a mission field is when somebody goes to an area that has never heard about God or does not go to church, and a nation will send somebody to that area to teach them about the Lord. Do you know that the United States of America, of all the countries on the planet, were number three or number four? Of the per capita of people who do not attend church or do not believe in God. How did that happen? People are sending missionaries to the United States. How did that happen? We lost our focus. Um... Let me share this last and closing point to focus on our pursuit. There's our pursuit towards the Lord. So we're focusing on our family. Uh, we're, we're focusing on the world. And we're focusing on our pursuit towards the Lord. 
In James chapter 1, verse 17, it says, Every good action, everyone say good action, and every perfect gift, everyone say perfect, is a gift from God. These good gifts come down from the creator of the sun, moon, and stars, who does not change like their shifting shadows. What's fascinating is the word good, and then he uses perfect. See, the word good in this sentence is a superlative. So for those of you that need to be refreshed, some high school English classes, let me share with you how a superlative works. Um, It's hot in Texas. It's hot in Texas in April. It's hotter in June. But in August, it's superlative. Let me give you another example. Isaiah is cool. Sarah, well, she's cooler. But Allie, my wife, well, she's the... They said it, not me, sorry. It's a superlative. That's how it works. What, he's, what is he saying here? He's saying, you know, it's, it's every perfect, it's, it's a good gift. The most perfect, the most perfect gifts. The most perfect, the most perfect, the most perfect gifts. Can you imagine? And I feel the Holy Spirit right now, but can you imagine when you sit in a business meeting and the Holy Spirit is active in your mind and teaching you things that you did not know? The Bible says that it'll give you witty invention, creative ideas. It, it, it's, it's these moments where you don't see things like other people see them. You, you see things differently. You see people differently. You see the world differently. You're on an assignment. You, 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 the, the idea and the realization and the revelation that Jesus is coming back soon and time on this earth is going away. The, the, the Bible says this, that time on this earth is like vapor that appears for a moment and then disappears. For it to be fresh on your mind, at the front of your mind. And when you see a neighbor, the only thing that's on your mind is not barbecue and the weather and all that kind of stuff. All those conversations are just taking you to, hey, I want you to come to church with me. When you're talking to your wife, you're talking to your kids. And I don't feel, I'll tell you what, I do not feel like tucking my kids in every single night. Daddy, you got to tuck me in. And then I realize I've only got about it. 642 left. Got to keep that on the front of my mind. To see things different, worship different, be committed different. This requires focus. So I don't really believe that part of the Bible. Don't get distracted. He is a king. He is a king. See, Some people worship God and serve God, and other people want to figure out how to get God to serve them. God, I want you to do this for me. I want you to do that for me. 
I want you to like these things and I want you to hate these things. I want you to not like those things and I want you to close that door and I want you to open this door. And then when he doesn't do it, it's like, I don't know if I like. He chose you because he loves you and he's passionate about you. He chose you. He loves you. He's crazy about you. He sent his son to die for you. He loves you. And when you make a mistake, he has grace and mercy and he adores you and he loves you. But he is also the creator of the universe and he wants you to know if you love him back just the way he is. I was going to share this on another week. I didn't share it in the first service. I feel really bad for the first service right now. There's a second thing. Gladiator. You seen the movie Gladiator? You remember the scene where somebody remind me of the lead character's name? Russell Crowe, but what was his name in the movie? Maximus. Thank you. So Maximus, the, the scene that most people love most in that movie is Maximus. And just bear with me, ladies. I'll, I'll fill in the blanks if you haven't seen it. But there's this scene where Maximus is in this dungeon type thing. And, and he's getting ready to go into this huge coliseum and fight um, these, these other warriors that are on horses and on chariots, and they have very limited weapons. And so he goes out there, and he's victorious, and it's a phenomenal scene. But the writer of the movie recently came out with this article. I'm trying to get my hands on it. Somebody told me about it and explained it to me, blew me away. I'm trying to get my hands on it so I can read it myself. But there's a deleted scene in that movie that never made it to film. See, in those days, people would get put in the middle of a coliseum. All those things would happen, and people would cheer and all that kind of stuff. But before they brought these convicted people out, they would put Christians out there first. And the scene, just to kind of get the crowd warmed up, and the scene was this, this husband and wife and the kids facing a lion in the middle of the Colosseum. And the lion comes up and kills these Christians. And the whole crowd goes crazy. And then Maximus comes on next. But he clipped that scene. It was a minute and 20 seconds. He clipped it. And they asked him, why did you clip that scene? And he said this. He said, because I couldn't adequately reflect... The punishment that Christians were under in a minute and 20 seconds, so I decided to not even open up that can of worms. I just decided to do it. Scrap it. And here's the situation. In those days, in the ancient days, you were not killed for believing in Jesus Christ. You were not killed for that. You were killed and thrown into the Colosseum because you refused to acknowledge other gods as well. So they were saying basically this, you can believe in Jesus and you can worship Jesus, but you cannot take the position that there's no other way. You cannot take the position that there's no other gods. And if you say that Jesus Christ is the only way, then we're going to kill you. And people were getting killed over and over and over again. And here's the situation. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and only you can only go to the Father through Him. Only Him. 
And so you don't get the ability to look at him as king. I feel the Holy Spirit on me. I don't know why I'm sharing all this. You don't get the option of saying, I believe in God, but you can believe in whoever you want. We are living in a different generation. We're living in a different society where everybody can believe whatever they want to believe in that all hunky-dory. No. We've lost focus. You say, well, that is so inclusive. That, that's, that, that's, that's really kind of inclusive. You only allow the... No, 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 no. God sent his son to die for the world. It's the world that's saying, I want to pick a different option. And we're, we have the responsibility of going, oh, that's fine. No. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father except through him. And you and I have got to choose on whether or not we are going to be focused on him and focus on the truth and focus on the pursuit and focus on doing family the way God said do family and focus on infiltrating our world and not isolating ourselves from the world. We got to focus on that because if we don't, we're getting distracted on things that are temporary and not eternal. I'll tell you what, man, God is doing something in our church, man, because, you know, it, the, the, the frequency of how often I'm feeling God intervene in our services like he is right now. The frequency is getting closer and closer together. I remember a time where I would feel this like once every few months, and then I started feeling it once every few weeks, and now I'm starting to feel it like every week. I'm telling you, God is doing something in our church and he's doing something in your life. He's doing something among us and it's, it's something that I personally have never experienced before. This is very different than the revivals and the Brownsville revivals and all this other kind of stuff that I've experienced that's beautiful and wonderful. But the same God that never creates a snowflake twice doesn't move the same way twice and I'm telling you and I feel like I'm prophesying to you he's doing something new he's doing something fresh and I don't know what it is but it's very exciting it's very exciting it's very exciting let's stand to your feet for me please would you bow your head and close your eyes as all the prayer partners come down to the front please All the prayer partners in here. Let's bridge this gap. Let's get a little bit closer. Could you bow your head and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. If your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, and I'm talking to everyone here, whether you come to church here or not, I'm talking to everyone. If your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, are you 100% sure you know where you'd spend eternity. If the answer is no, would you just please raise your hand right where you're at? Nobody looking. Would you just admit that right where you're at? Hands are going up all over the room. 
as an outward sign of surrender, can we all raise our hands and ask the Lord Jesus into our heart? Dear Jesus, would you say those words? Dear Jesus, I'm so sorry for my sins. I want your forgiveness. I want you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Saturate me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Peter said this. He said, be clear-minded so you can pray. That really ministered, that that really encouraged me because Peter, one of the disciples, is saying, I want to pray. My heart wants to pray, but I got so many things on my mind I can barely pray. And when a disciple says that, that makes me feel so much better because I've been there. Many of us in this room, we want to be focused more than anything. We want to be focused, but we just got a lot going on right now. If that's you today, and I know it's me, I'd like to encourage you, why don't you come out of your seat and take the hand of a prayer partner. The Bible says in Psalms 56, 9 in the Living Bible, every time you pray, the tide of the battle turns. Why don't you come out of your seat, take the hand of someone down here, let them pray with you. The rest of us, let's sing this song one time through before anybody goes. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May his face shine down upon you. May his countenance be lifted up on you and deliver you. May the grace and peace of God be with you all the days of your life. In Jesus' name, amen.